Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. This story begins not with with some person who's done wrong or said something wrong or has been in the wrong. No, this this story begins with someone who's in the right. This brother's justified in having his part of the inheritance as per Jewish law. It was common in first century Palestine for a Jewish person to ask a respected rabbi for a legal ruling like this if justice was not being made known in what was rightfully somebody's. On this particular weekend of all weekends, we are reminded we, we live in a country where, where, where we name clearly the right to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and, and, and many are the ways we, we celebrate and, and, and cherish and seek to protect those rights. Many are the ways we, we call out for, for justice for those rights when, when they're not fully or nearly secured. The story begins really with one of the most common experiences known in small ways and big ways throughout human history, naming and securing what is rightfully ours. But Jesus said to him, friend, who set me to be a judge or arbiter over you? And then he said to them, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. How strange for this man who is justified in his grievance, not only doesn't get any help from Jesus, it seems gets confronted by Jesus. I mean, can you imagine praying to Jesus to right a wrong? And he leans in with words like that. And the confrontation you heard comes, as often is the case with Jesus, by way of a story. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. Or the King James Version, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. It's nice. You notice the subject of those? The land, the ground, the soil produced, brought forth. This is not a story about a really good farmer, a really bad farmer, in-between farmer. Totally beside the point. One year, the land just blew up. Banner year. Prize money kind of moment. Huge bonus. Unexpected inheritance. The market just did its own thing. Took off. I mean, you you ever had one of these moments, big or small? Maybe we nod yes, maybe, maybe no, maybe we're not sure, but isn't the truth really that, that every year is the year of abundance when it comes to Jesus? I love uh, Eugene Peterson, he observes, you know, we are set down in a world of prodigious wealth. Not just a few trees, but entire forests of pine and beech and oak. Not just a few stars by which we navigate but a whole, a full of them, a full, but a whole of them full of pictures and stories. Not just a few birds to keep the insects under control, but a huge ballet in the company of shapes and colors and songs, abundance. And then 
Peterson goes on to say. And it's, it's not like God barely saves us with just enough grace to get us over the threshold of heaven. No, time and again, Scripture declares the extravagant love of, of Jesus to where people testify again and again, my cup runneth over. Abundance. It's our fundamental story. Jesus' story could equally start. The land of a rich people produced abundantly. Well, the man you heard, he thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place to, to store for this, this abundant crop. And, and, and how often, right, in times of crisis or times of great fortune, they make clear how it goes with our soul. The man said, I'll do this. I'm going to pull down my current barns, make larger ones, and there I can store all my grains and my goods, and I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods Laid up for many years, relax, eat, drink, be merry. And on the surface, it really, it doesn't sound like such a bad idea. Certainly, there are scriptures that commend wise planning, saving. This, this story is, is, is not at all uh, opposed to that. But, but did you hear the way it's told? There is something off in this man's approach and this obvious need that building bigger barns is what's next. Listen to, again to his discernment process concerning what to do with the abundance. I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, he's alone. So much abundance and totally impoverished of any meaningful relationship with God or, or, or neighbor. No wonder he thinks it's all his. And, and, and what happens when, when, when we have no sense of communion in prayer or, or, or no one alongside whom we can process our thoughts, uh, our, our abundance, our concerns... Right, You go long enough without God, without other people, without meaningful connections and friendships. You go long enough without, without a, a genuine sense of, of, of our need for one another, our belonging to one another. You go long enough without any of that, and consistently, what is it we see emerge? Anxiety. Wait. Where does it say this guy was anxious? Sure, we see people get anxious when they're kind of cordoned off from everybody else. We see, yeah, well, where does it say this guy was anxious? Well, the teaching that follows immediately after the parable you just heard is one of Jesus' most famous teachings on do not be anxious. Consider the birds of the air, consider the lilies of the field. And Jesus overtly connects that teaching about do not be anxious to this preceding peace, this man, this greed. He's making clear that, that greed and isolated barn building, there is at root in these maneuvers an anxiety. Because, and what if the economy really does tank? What if we do get roped into the war? And, and then, what if the family member does change the will? 
what if so-and-so gets elected and then the legislation changes and then the, what if someone hacks into the account and the crops are just gone? I, alone with our own thoughts, rarely, rarely do we tell a story of abundance. Far more likely we're prone to start telling a story of scarcity. Build a bigger barn, a stronger barn, a better barn, a barn to fend off uh, all of the anxieties of what if. Because, right, if we do, if we can finally have enough money, enough house or enough car, enough savings, enough credentialing, enough votes, uh, enough of a safety net, enough. Cannot we then join with this man in the benediction he announces upon his own soul? Soul, because of all the stuff I finally have, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Because isn't that really what, what all this barn building is about? If you could just get to a certain level of, of, of enough, you can quiet all the what-if anxieties and have peace. Soul. You have ample goods stored up for many years. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said, you fool. This very night your life is demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasure for themselves but are not rich toward God. All this time, this man on his own thought it was so obvious he needed to secure the more that came his way. And it turns out the whole thing was always about generosity. From the land for him, generosity through him. Do not be overawed when others grow rich, when the splendor of their houses increases, Psalm 49 declares. For they will take nothing with them when they die, their splendor will not descend with them. Though while they live, they count themselves blessed, and people praise you when you prosper, they will join those who have gone before them, who will never again see the light of life. People who have wealth but lack understanding. I like the beasts that perish. How easily we as individuals, as churches, as, as, as nations, how easily we can get it caught up in what seems really so obvious. We need more, and when we get more, we need to secure it, we need to guard it, we, we, so as to have some peace. But, but what if the whole thing is about generosity? First from the land, then through us. What if that elusive peace that our soul most craves is not found in building bigger barns, but bigger hearts? What if the whole thing is not about falling upon whatever we, we deem as enough, but in fact falling upon Jesus Christ as our singular source of security in life and in death? What if that's the whole Henry Nouwen, the, the, the Catholic writer and author, especially of the, the second half of the 20th century, he writes that we often live our lives as if anticipating questions from God that God never is going to ask. How much did you earn in your lifetime? 
How many friends did you make? How successful were you in your career? How many people did you have influence over? Uh, perhaps how many conversions did you make? He says, are any of these the questions Christ will ask when he comes in glory? If so, perhaps we could approach the judgment day with confidence. But nobody's going to hear those questions. The questions we're going to face now and says, they're not about selfish attainments or achievement or anything related to my or mine. It's a question related to, to being rich toward God, which is about being rich towards the things and, and, and people of God's heart. And so now and concludes, you know, as long as there are strangers, as long as there are hungry, naked, and sick people, as long as there are prisoners, as long as there are refugees and slaves, as long as there are people who are handicapped physically, mentally, emotionally, and people without work or a home or a piece of land, there will be that lingering, lingering one question from God. What have you done for the least? So whatever happened to that brother who justifiably wanted his part of the inheritance and then heard this story about a man who got some crops and built some bigger barns and you know, we're never told. But as interesting as that might be to know, the far more pressing question is not what happened to that brother, what, but what happens to us? What do we do with the fact that sometimes we want to we talk about rights and Jesus wants to talk about some of the barns we might be building? We want to talk about what's being withheld from us and Jesus wants to talk about what we might be holding on to. We want to talk about this individual grievance we have, and Jesus wants to talk about the condition of our communion and our community. We want to talk about our aggrieved anger, and Jesus wants to inquire about our anxiety. We want to talk about what should be ours, and Jesus wants to Talk about all that we have been given. We want to just resolve whatever the most recent unfair headache is in our life. And Jesus inquires if our deepest longing is not for peace, regardless of what does or does not happen. What if the story went this way instead? The land of a rich people produced abundantly. The Holy Spirit nourished the souls of a rich people abundantly. All that they had and all that they were was, was by the sheer grace of Jesus Christ through and through, time and again. And in genuine communion with God, in genuine community with one another, they could see clearly what they never could see clearly in their anxious, isolated silos. Oh, it's all a gift. What a thing. It's all a gift. Let us share. For surely it is as the word of God declares in seeking the peace of others. We will find our peace. Amen.